everyone. Thanks for tuning into the World Through She podcast. I'm Sheila, and I'm so excited to share my tips, recommendations, and stories with you all. Before we get started, if you want to see any visuals of what I'll be sharing in this podcast, head over to my Instagram and check out my highlights. On this episode, I'll be talking about Turkey with my fellow Persian travelers, Danielle and Maryam. Hi, Sheila. Thanks for having us. Yeah, hi. Happy hi. to be here. Salam. <laughs> salam, salam. Merhaba. <laughs> <laughs> Turkey is a country in the Middle East that straddles both Europe and Asia. And as a Middle Eastern woman, I love seeing countries that have similarities with the Iranian culture. So pretty much Turkey is culture-wise the closest you could get to Iran without actually going to Iran. That's right. Yeah, it was it was almost like we were there. And we almost were there. <laughs> just yeah. just a few hundred miles short. Yeah, and I think that's the the thing that people enjoy the most about Turkey is that you get a lot of the beauty and the mystery and the deep rich history of the East, but then you also get like the comforts and the liberties of a Western world. I think that is probably the biggest appeal about Turkey for sure. Definitely. So a few tips while you're in Turkey, you'll definitely want to learn the culture. Similar to the Persian culture, people extend an offer multiple times. We call this tarof. And so if you're offering something to someone and they say, no, it's okay, they'll say it out of politeness. So they might accept what you're offering, like food or tea or uh, the last bite of kebab the second or third time around. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And another way it shows up is in it's in bargaining. So it, it might be helpful to have some bargaining skills Ooh, <laughs> when I you think visit Turkey. I, yeah, and I think Sheila may take the cake for the most expert <laughs> yes. uh, bargainer at the Grand Bazaar for sure. <laughs> to the degree in which we left her to her own devices because we felt like we were no match. But it was impressive. I'll add that to my resume. <laughs> Grand bargainer in the Grand Bazaar. <laughs> Yes. I think at some point, one of the guys was like, please, lady, like, I've never seen anything like this. I was impressed. It was great. It was great. She's, she's so adorable and unassuming, unassuming. You didn't see it coming. But yeah, it was it was good. But it's, that's part of the culture, too. It's like an experience mm-hmm. to have at the bazaar. You have to haggle. And it is for a lot of them. It's what they're used to and a sign of respect, too, is that you want to engage in, you know, haggling with them because it's just an ancient way of doing business. So. Also, take clothes that cover your ankles and your shoulders, especially if you plan on visiting the incredible mosques in Istanbul, which you definitely should visit. There are stray dogs and cats everywhere. Um, We literally saw them stepping out of our hotel room at all the restaurants. Um, Some of them even tried to get into our restaurant to steal our food. But just if you're allergic to any animals, take a lot of allergy medicine. Yeah. And I wouldn't like necessarily engage or touch or, you mm-hmm. know, for multiple reasons. But I think you named a couple of the cats too, did you not? I don't I feel like there's some <laughs> of the neighborhood ones. Uh, <laughs> there was also a bully cat that I, I tried to protect the <laughs> the one getting bullied. <laughs> Always representing values. Um I think we'll if we can go back to the the clothing um situation mm-hmm. too. I think what one of the things if you've never traveled to the Middle East that may be of surprise Uh, for people is, you know, like the level of respect for the elders, you'll see, um, you know, like if you're riding a bus, um, or if you're like in public, you'll offer them your seat, you know, it's it's just meant to, you know, you're meant to say hello, um, be polite. Um, I think that's, I mean, we like to think that we do that here in the West as well, but that's pretty prevalent. It's pretty important. So, you know, if they're, if you're in a, in a shop and there's an elder, you know, like just make sure that you, you know, pay respects and say Mm -hmm. hello and just be, 
polite and considerate. I think it's important just to make you more savvy. Yeah. And something that is actually pretty interesting for when we were on a bus was I put my feet on, like, it's just natural for me to like get comfortable when we're traveling long distances. And I put my feet up on, what is it? Barrier between the two bus Mm -hmm. sections. And I don't speak Turkish. So I didn't know what this old gentleman was saying to me, but it was a sign of disrespect to put my feet up. And I had no idea. I honestly don't know if any amount of research would have been able to tell me that that was a sign of disrespect, but also just understanding that there are a lot of really traditional people there that something as little as that could be shown as disrespectful to the locals. I think that was like a really like it was like a perfect storm of learning experience for all of us because mm-hmm. I think like we were all shocked to a certain degree because his reaction just was like unnecessary and I think what I loved about it is like cemented for me why we love Turkey so much because like we were fired up and a little confused because it's like what you know but the like the locals who stepped in mm-hmm. you know and and like we're like hey this is not cool like to the older gentleman, I was like, this is like a kind of like a fight between the generations and like a progressive Turkey versus a traditional Turkey, which in our Persian culture, like we often battle with. So I thought it was like a culmination of all of those things. It's like, you know, the old meets the new, the progressive versus like, you know, the secular. It was it just, mm-hmm. it was a fa- fascinating experience. I know it was not very pleasant to be a part of, but it was, it was a, definitely added a little color to the trip for sure. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I think you make a you make a really good point, uh, Mariam, about the kind of just witnessing because um, we were, you know, we were not the natives there. It was it was an interesting moment to see the locals engaging with each other and trying to, you know, as an international city, there, there was this kind of conflict that we saw and we didn't, you know, none of us spoke Turkish, but we could pick up the conversation, pick up on the conversation based on the tone and and all that. Um, And just one thing I wanted to add, and um, I think one thing I noticed as as a man traveling, and this is an experience I've had in in other trips, but especially during this one that I was traveling with you two, two women, and I I think uh, I definitely noticed a sense that there was more policing of women's bodies. And uh, and I'll preface that by saying that this is this is not, I don't mean to kind of create the stereotypical picture of Middle Eastern countries and policing women's bodies, because that happens in our own country, in our own society. But that was just one element that I I noticed um, that I think, and I wondered, you know, if I had put my leg up, would that have been an issue? So just, you know, there there are a lot of nuances you're going to notice, and some of them you notice because you see it in your own culture. And that was one of the things that that I noticed traveling abroad because of my experiences here, you know, being, you know, in public with women and and the way that sometimes it feels like their bodies are more police. So that was just one element that popped up uh, for me. And it was a good moment of reflection for me to think about um, the advantages I have, you know, traveling as a man. Mm-hmm. It's a great observation. And I think for us too, it's like, um, I think for me, the biggest eye-opening experience as part of this trip is like, this is why we travel. Uh, like it's just being exposed to those kind of things. That's why you Im- embed yourself in like getting on a bus or on a train so that you can really understand it. And I think for me, it was really great because I think that I was a little overly confident about someone who was raised in Iran until the age of 16. So I felt like I'm pretty well versed in the nuances, right? And then 
my family lived in Turkey for two years and such. So like, I'm like, hey, like I got this, but also I've been away for 20 plus years, right? So I was making some assumptions about what I remember about the local culture that is just not relevant anymore. And, you know, even coming from that angle, I think I was surprised too. Yes, um, the way that, you know, women are objectified a little bit different. Quite frankly, I will say I enjoyed it because I live in the Pacific Northwest and no one talks to the women. So <laughs> I welcome that. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting that even for us who are like embedded in the culture pretty deeply and know it well, there are still moments of reflection and, and pause and surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I will say it was really interesting, like us three traveling together, because you do have the male perspective. Also, both of you have the really deeply rooted Iranian culture perspective. Um, and I was born in America, so I'm Iranian American. So I have like that completely different perspective. Us three traveling together was very, very interesting and good for like the entire trip, especially in Turkey with the unique culture that it has. For sure. It reminds me of the questions we would get from Turkish locals of where are you from? <laughs> yeah. And we would, and of course we struggled with responding because it was like, okay, how much time you got? <laughs> like, we got separate, three separate different stories. Um, but what was interesting is, is that they kept digging, you know, when we told them, oh, we're traveling, you know, we're here from, from the United States, they would, they would ask the question because they really, because I think, um, they really wanted to, they saw some connection between us and them. I think whether it was facial features or kind of our mannerisms. So they really wanted to see what the connection was. But I, I remember us three talk, just kind of looking at each other when we, when we got asked, <laughs> where are you from? And it was just- It's so it was, good. Yeah, it's yeah, like- It's which, part of the experience of traveling, yeah, traveling as an, as an immigrant. Because um, mm -hmm. your story is also, it's not tied to one place. So that was, it was an interesting experience. Yeah, that's always I, a funny question. Where are you from? Where are you from? <laughs> and I think that's what I love about what you're doing with the Instagram page and with the podcast too. It's like more so now than ever, we're all global citizens more so like the world is so much smaller than we realize, right? And it's yeah. like, who would have thought like three of us from the Pacific Northwest, you know, we're born in completely different parts of the world, but then like we have this connection and then now we're in Turkey experiencing, you know, different things and that's one of the things I love about that and and I love the I love the podcast but also the the Instagram page because I think it just reminds you like this is someone I know or like I grew up with and like here she has like now a tie and a connection to all these pieces of the world that just brings us closer I love it we're slowly getting all of these ties together and I'm going to make you guys go on another trip with me soon I can't oh, wait oh fine if we must <laughs> <laughs> is that a promise sign me up <laughs> And the last trip in Turkey is that Ubers are illegal. I, I think it was a very eventful trip for me I, for many reasons. But yes, we, we were running a little late for sure, waited for Uber. We decided we're going to chance it, even though we knew it was illegal. And then as we were pulling into the airport, our, our Uber got flagged by the police entering. So he got pulled to the side of the road. He got a fine, which I think was close to $100. And then the police officer asked for my passport. Um, and I'm assuming he made some fake record of it, you know. At first we were like, 
Mike, we're not going to do it. But then I was like, you know, what was he going to do? Like write me a citation, like I'll come back and pay for it. But it was a little unnerving, I think, if you haven't experienced anything like that, for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, And I think that's like a perfect example of like, I made some assumptions because I lived in Turkey when we landed. I was like, you guys, these guys are going to try to rip us off. Like, we're not getting a shuttle here. And they're like, Uber is illegal. I'm like, is it really? Because my app is working. (laughs) But who knows? But I think we also, um, we went, we counted on the ambiguity of it because I think Erdogan at a time had not completely legalized Uber. I think there was debates about whether or not it's going to be. Um, so I'd say check, check and make sure. Um, but yeah, so I did yeah. give them my passport and he went to a trunk of a car and did something and came back with it. I just felt really bad for my Uber driver because he got the $100 fine. But we'll see if Mariam's on a wanted list. Next <laughs> time I go to Turkey, I'll come go back. back. <laughs> yeah. In addition to Iran, I have also been banned from Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? What I was just going to add is transportation, doing your research about transportation is always so, so key mm-hmm. anywhere you're traveling. I It helps that I'm a little bit of a transportation nerd. So I love kind of looking up uh, like light rail or metro, the kind of train systems in each of the cities and um, sometimes feeling sad about the fact that Seattle does not quite have a system yet. It's just one line, but um, I, I, when traveling, I have used public transportation quite a bit. I think it's a really good way to get around, um, especially in major cities um, when you know traffic is just insane. You waste so much more time sitting in a car. So um, it does require a little bit of savviness. So it helps to do your research in advance. Google Maps um, in a lot of the major cities that I've been into, like Istanbul, Paris, Bogota, they have been good. So they the information about public transportation is pretty up to date on Google. So if you literally, if you put in the address of point A to point B and choose a public transportation route, it should give you some options, Um, you know, very detailed, you know, this time and um, yeah. And what helps is to download any transportation related apps Mm -hmm. for that country or city specifically. I I have found that to be extremely useful. Istanbul specifically, they had a whole underground train system. Even when we like used our apps, like we would run out of service down there. A lot of times it we would want to take screenshots because yes. we wouldn't have service to figure out like which train we need to find, where to go. It, it's huge. It's a huge underground train system. But yeah. like Danielle mentioned, it's a lot faster because the city has a lot of traffic. Yeah, for sure. So while we were in Turkey, we visited Istanbul and Cappadocia. We started in Istanbul and our trip started with a medical emergency. That's quite Uh, an experience. I mean, I think maybe in a way it was like setting us up for this podcast eventually because we're going to bring the audience a full experience of what traveling abroad is like, especially in Turkey. Why not help them prepare for a medical emergency in Istanbul? So. I'll keep it brief. I woke up on our first day of the trip, uh, passed out in our lovely Airbnb, woke up my roomies. They were in panic. Um, Long story short, we ended up at a Jesuit hospital in the heart of Istanbul and I had kidney stones. So I think the tip there is, first of all, incredibly reliable healthcare system. It was wonderful. I felt like I got the care that I needed. Um, My physician who was supposed to be like an English speaking physician was not necessarily the best 
speaker of English, and he also looked like he'd come from a rave, lovely gentleman. Um, so, um, so I would say tips and tricks, like be prepared to even at the best circumstances, like navigate the language barrier part. We try to tap into my between my broken Turkish and Daniel's Google Translate. We yeah. try to manage what they meant with the kidney stones and um, he kept motioning that it's a baby. It feels like baby pain. I don't yeah. know if you guys remember that. I remember that. I was like, is Naya pregnant? Yes. <laughs> what are they it saying? It was quite interesting. And, and, you know, like the little nuances, for example, receiving morphine, you know, we experienced mm -hmm. it here as a drip, you know, there it was like a shot and you're like, oh, I'm not ready to do that. So those kind of things, I think, again, for someone, I thought that I was well prepared but um, I think there was a period of time I want to be transparent and say like I was a little scared right like I'm traveling with two people who I love they're a little bit younger than me and then we're in a place where we don't quite know how to navigate the medical system and what if I had to get surgery or um, you know what if I had to stay luckily all I had to do was not drink and he told me not to lie down. Those are basically that's what. <laughs> so just stand is, up sober. And <laughs> I would like for the audience sake, I think it's important that you two verify that morning I passed out, I got a morphing shot, and then I was dancing over the Bosphorus sober that evening at some club in Istanbul. So let's just. You, Mariam, rallied so hard. I was so impressed. Oh, was... yeah. All I couldn't imagine. From the morphine shot to the dancing <laughs> is on my Instagram too. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and the only other thing is like, you know, be prepared. Um, um, just from a logistics perspective, I was able to use my own health insurance. It cost me about $150 for a hospital emergency visit and um, the morphine treatment that I received. So pretty, you know, reasonable. Um, easy to navigate. I felt like I think the language barrier was probably the toughest part, but um, but I felt like I was in good hands. And and the cute little Turkish nuns—they're pretty adorable, <laughs> rolling me around on the wheelchair. And, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. that's. I mean, that's another thing to add to your research before traveling. It's always you know you can always just call up your healthcare provider and ask them what what would I do? You know, I'm going to this country in case I have a medical emergency, and there usually there is a component of healthcare plans that has some sort of coverage for international trips so it, it's always helpful to check before you go yeah, yeah. and mariam you had really good health cover coverage but there will be some cases it, where people don't and yeah. that's where travel insurance would really come in handy so sure. mm. definitely call your your insurance provider see what your coverage is and if you yeah. need more definitely get more because you never know when something yeah. like this is going to happen. It's, it's yeah. great feedback. And I think that's great points on both of you. Um, it is socialized healthcare in Turkey. So like, you know, one could say, hey, you could receive the care. But I, I totally agree with both of you. Call your healthcare provider and then traveler's insurance. Um, that's just handy. And then you don't have to worry about navigating the system. Yeah. True. So that was our first morning in Istanbul. Um, so hospital visit, morphine, and then transitioning to a Turkish breakfast. Oh, yeah. Great. It was a great breakfast. Yeah, it was that like little hole in the wall cafe. Yeah. Um, uh, Near Galata Tower. Yeah, yes, we had a yeah. view of the tower. We had the typical Turkish breakfast, which is a huge spread of like cheese, eggs, bread, jam, honey. It was such a little treat. And that's oh. the thing. Turkish breakfast is probably the most staple, like their meals, you know, and it's the variety and it's yeah. fresh and it's quite ceremonial, which I love too. 
Yeah, it's definitely it was, fun it, to photograph too. <laughs> yeah, very, very photogenic, photogenic food. But also I think it, it pointed to, you know, one of the aspects of the culture is, you know, around eating food and the fact that you, you sit down, you spend time, you dedicate time and space to a meal, uh, which is, you know, for us living in America is kind of a, um, kind of a different, different behavior, but it was nice to just kind of slow down a little bit and have a nice, really nice proper breakfast. So we mentioned we had a view in at this restaurant of the Galata Tower, which is a medieval stone tower that's really tall, 220 feet tall. And when you go inside this tower, and all the way up to the top, you have a beautiful view of the entire city. It's really cool because you could see both Europe and Asia yeah. from that view. Yeah. Yeah, it was stunning. It was like 360 degree views of Istanbul and um, and the tower itself had pretty cool history. It was built yeah. a really, really long time ago. And I believe it was like a watchtower, um, like a military post. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just to see it standing today and for it to give us that kind of a um, view because especially in the historic parts of Istanbul I don't know that there are too many towers that really reach that high so it's it's a very unique view um, yeah it's a bit of a wait but it's worth yeah. it yeah so definitely busy but I think that was the thing is like when you get to the top of the tower and you're looking yeah. over the Bosphorus and you're like that's Europe and that's Asia yeah. and then on top of that you're like I am standing in Constantinople like yes <laughs> like that like it's just to kind of remind yourself of like just the history of where you are mm -hmm. you know while you're on your iPhone and like taking photos you're like this is this was kind of the gateway you know and Constantinople yeah. this is where like history was made so it was cool I, I do remember that yeah and another really historical site in Istanbul is Hagia Sophia which went from a cathedral to a mosque to a museum and now back to a mosque which they announced last year that's right yeah another another place with such a long and complicated history i mean just the way the way that space has transitioned uh, over time over the centuries with different empires different kind of uh, religious empires ruling over it and just to see i mean when we visited uh, we should say it was a museum so it was kind of this hybrid of you both had elements of like a large you know you know all inspiring cathedral but then you could see the layers of kind of the elements of islam that were added afterwards it was just right. such a beautiful juxtaposition and mm -hmm. beautiful architecture gorgeous definitely yeah. And right across from Hagia Sophia was the Sultan Ahmad Mosque, which is also called the Blue Mosque. It's known for the blue tiles surrounding the structure, which is also a stunning, has stunning architecture, incredible uh, mosque to go and explore. Yeah, and yeah, and for your listeners who may have traveled to, um, uh, I guess, mosques in different countries, they may know this, but um, I do remember that they asked uh, the women to uh where i think you had that like a scarf yeah. uh, just something mm -hmm. to kind of cover the shoulders so yeah um i guess don't be surprised um, especially if you're a woman traveling that yeah. they might ask that and it's more so out of respect it's not anything well and i should let you guys you two talk about this but it it seemed like a very simple just one kind of piece of cloth 
Mm -hmm. sign of respect. And I think, um, and, and I'm sure most of the savvy travelers would know that, and there's a lot of cathedrals in Europe that yeah. actually would ask you to oh, do the same thing, yeah. like not good to point. enter a church um, sleeveless. So um, mm. the good news was that they actually had provided us, like there was, so if you're wearing short shorts or a mini skirt, they asked that you cover, they did give us like a, what seemed like a really long shawl. It seemed pretty mm. sanitary at the time, mm. but of course it's the world before COVID. <laughs> and then just a scarf to cover our head. And that's just like basically for religious purposes, which, which I again I've been to cathedrals in Europe that have asked us to do the same and like not enter um for for the art buffs and history and architecture buffs who are traveling to Istanbul I think one of the things that they'll be impressed with that the Turkish government has done a phenomenal job of preserving these sites um mm. you know given the locations and and some of the conflict that has gone on in the Middle East like they've done a really wonderful job of making these sites accessible internationally and then also um, preserving it which I I was always impressed with over the years too. Yeah, definitely. They did a great job. So we also went to the Grand Bazaar, as you guys heard before, um, which was one of my favorites because I love a good deal and <laughs> I could bargain for hours. Mariam and Danielle got sick of it and left it for a couple hours. Plus, you out bargained us. We we tapped out. We couldn't keep up. <laughs> yeah, I, we didn't get sick of it. I was just like, I'm just gonna love her at her. Let her just manage this. Like, because the guy, because the the store owners kept looking at me and Daniel like, help us, and we're like, we can't. Like, you know, you're in it now. <laughs> you're in it now. Like the master will <laughs> out bargain you. But there were so many beautiful things, like. I don't really I'm not one who loves shopping but with all of the like Turkish lamps ceramics tea sets the evil eye ornaments and rugs I mean it's pretty much like an the Iranian Turkish delights. Bazaar, but in yeah, oh. Turkish delights oh. oh and they give you samplers it's oh my god it's it's um yeah I have I have a lot of love for just the concept of a bazaar um just the way it's designed the hustle and bustle the the fact that you can kind of get a little bit of everything there's food mm. there is there's handicrafts you know it's a great it's a great place to visit and especially if you're um, thinking about bringing souvenirs back for people in your life the bazaar is a perfect place you know you want to spend a day there just kind of explore and some of the shops have some identical things so don't be in a rush to buy something that pops out to you at the very first shop. Just look around, get a sense of the bazaar, check out the different areas and see what um, see what pop, pops up. But yeah, it's an absolute must visit. For sure. That's a great way to experience the Middle Eastern culture too, right? Yeah. Like you get the like the commerce part and then you get like, I remember when we're walking, like the sound of prayer was like, you know, over the speakers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it was quite nostalgic for me too. It's just, Same. you know, you don't see like, you know, you don't see that at the mall, you know, it's, it's a different experience. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's not only the history, but just the experience itself. And like, yeah, make sure you stop in and get some tea and sit around and mm -hmm. people watch at the bazaar and just watch the locals kind of do their thing, yeah. which is great. So we were actually lucky to sneak in another visit to a site, the Topkapi Palace. This was something that we visited in our last few hours in Istanbul, which is actually the reason why we were a little rushed to get to the airport. But it was such a beautiful palace. It held so many historical treasures within it. And even just the landscape and the architecture was incredible to explore too. Yeah, I would just say if you're gonna do top copy, make sure you allow a lot of time mm -hmm. um, because there's lots to see and 
and explore. And I think, you know, if I were to go back, I'd make sure like I'd probably spend like at least a half a day to be able to see the things that you want to see. It's just, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's a whole complex. So, um, and it's been, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe over time they've added more and more sections to it. So it really is like a little mini city. Um, so it, I, I second what Mariam said, that you really want to spend a good amount of time there and really explore the different parts um, and who lived in those different parts. And it's a, it's a really, it's like a walking through a history, history movie almost. Yeah, it's a great way to put it, walking through a history <laughs> movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I would encourage everybody if you end up going to Istanbul to definitely check out both sides um, mm -hmm. <laughs> of the continent. Yeah. It's a very different kind of fabric. Um, like the infrastructure looks different. From what I remember, the uh, the Asian side, the Asian continent side, was a little bit more modernly built. A lot of the historical sites were on the European side of Istanbul. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's nice to see. I mean, it's just such a layered city. There's just so much history that, you know, we spent about a week there, a little bit less than a week, and that was not nearly enough yeah, for sure. uh, to yeah, see everything. Definitely. And so we stayed on the newer side of Istanbul, where one of my favorite streets, Istiklal Street, mm -hmm. Independent Street, was famous for being the new district of Istanbul. And that's where we went out to breakfast a lot. We got a mm -hmm. lot of really good meals. We witnessed people doing their cultural dance after dinner. Mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was a really fun street. Yeah, it was fun. yeah, there was a little bit of everything. And for me, the most precious uh, parts of Istiklal were kind of the alleyway cafes. Yeah, where you can yeah. just kind of sit down. I think one of the nights we went with uh, those two new friends, the British friends we made. But yeah, we stopped by, you know, I think it was after dinner. It was, um, I think one thing that will be nice, especially for Americans who haven't traveled much uh, to the East is to see the nightlife is not just bars and clubs. There is so much more. We sat outside in a little tiny narrow alleyway where there was a cafe mm -hmm. some hookah some tea and there was live music and it was just it was bliss it was you can't really uh, get more closer to the culture mm -hmm. than just sitting and observing um live music and how people were reacting and there was just you know spontaneous spontaneous dancing and uh, what you were referring to sheila I think the night before that, I did dance to um, Despacito somewhere on, in one of those back alleys, I think. <laughs> oh, was that when we went to grab food at like yep, yeah, one like in the morning? One in the morning, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have footage of that. That was great. <laughs> I always say we can find Latin music wherever we go yes. in the world. It follows you, especially you, <laughs> Sheila, and Maya. Latin music just follows you everywhere you go. <laughs> we'll take it. No complaints about that. <laughs> so after Istanbul, we visited an area called Cappadocia, which has unique rock formations formed from volcanic eruptions millions of years ago. And if you've seen photos of Cappadocia, then you've definitely seen photos of the hot air balloon rides above all of these amazing rock formations. We stayed at a hotel called the local cave house, which was amazing. This hotel was nested in the middle of all these rock formations. The pool overlooked everything. And it was just, it was a great, I loved that hotel. I thought it was a great place to stay. The one thing I continue to tell people, like I like to think that like I've seen some parts of the world, not nearly as much as you, Sheila, but like, you know, I feel like I've seen some romantic places and Cappadocia 
or Cappadocia is still I to me is probably one of the most romantic spots like Mm -hmm. I love you too and I love that we were traveling together (laughs) but I would love to go back and stay at the the local cave house I mean the setup itself like was just beautiful the pool like we stayed in this the room was clearly was a cave prior you know like the shower and it's just it was just gorgeous it's and there's nothing else in the world like it. I think that's what was so unique about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, after being in Istanbul for a few days and, you know, the pace of life is so fast and there's so many people around all day to come to Cappadocia and life just kind of really slowed down for, mm-hmm. I think, like the 48 hours we were there. Um, and it was nice. I, I agree with you, Mayam. It's like a, it's a wonderful place to go as a couple. Um, it's just it's like a nice, it's not by the beach, but it's the pace of life. It was so nice. Yeah, and it was definitely was just, off the beaten path for sure. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I believe once we landed, so that's a, that's one thing to point out is after we landed, we had to take a cab ride. I don't remember. Was it an hour? Hour oh, and a half? It, were, it was a long time. They were both sleeping. Yeah. I would say yeah. it, was probably an, it was an hour and oh, 10 minutes. Was, if you're looking on the map, um, you know, the town itself, it's called Garome. Um, I know that's kind of unfamiliar because I know if you're looking, that may be a little confusing. It's one of the locations that will show up on the map and that's just kind of like the province itself. Yeah, so we only had 48 hours there, but within our 48 hours, we were determined to do one of the hot air balloon rides. So we woke up at 4 a.m., got ready, wore our outfits that were like, oh, we're gonna take photos in the hot air balloons went to the transportation center, ate breakfast, drove an additional hour, hour and a half to where the hot air balloons would pick us up. And when we got there, we were told we couldn't go on the hot air balloon ride because it was too windy. Also, can we talk about that clearly happens only like twice a year, if at all? Like it's like, a, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, maybe yeah. like you guys can blame it on me, like with the kidney stones or like, they're just kind of like spreading through the trip. But I was like, this rarely happens. I mean, they were saying like maybe twice in a year, they canceled mm-hmm. the hot air balloon rides. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they that were was... saying, if you want to try again tomorrow, you can come back tomorrow or in two days. But unfortunately, we only had 48 hours there. So definitely if that's the reason you're going which it was the reason we wanted to go or one of the bigger reasons give yourself more than 48 hours for sure definitely yeah it was um, and we got up so early that morning so that was like extra disappointing to like because just like you said Sheila we went to a different place to gather with all the different people and then they took us by bus and it was just um we were like really nicely dressed zombies I feel like <laughs> we were <laughs> but it was a beautiful sunrise I mean it was, it was. It was incredible and and you know not to mention being who we are but we made the most of the day for sure oh, yeah I think you know we got to experience it in a different through a different vessel <laughs> not a hot air balloon <laughs> it's yeah. more grounded <laughs> we were we were like we have to do something adventurous today and see see the area another way so we rented ATVs, <clears throat> went wow. through all of the crevices, all of the rock formations, saw a place called Love Valley. I'll let you guys decide why it's called that. <laughs> yes. Not going into too much. It's a great conversation topic. Um, I, I think, think people should just look up pictures. Yeah, I think it's look up at the valley. Yeah. <laughs> valley of love, I believe it's called. Valley of love. Valley yeah. of love, yeah. I think the two tips would be 
<clears throat> number one, if you have kidney stones, ATVs definitely move your kidney stones, especially if Danielle is driving. So note that. I think the second thing I think would be important for you guys to notice too is like safety regulations. Um, like they vary. Uh, you know, I felt like we were safe, but like the gentleman who was our guide like got a little crazy about the places he was taking us. So if you are safety conscious, like just be prepared that like, you know, sometimes, you know, what we consider a liability and like in the US and some safety parameters may not necessarily apply. Um, it was a blast. It was a great way to see. It was like a warm day. So it was a great way to drive through the valley. And those rock formations are pretty spectacular to see. Um, but I, I like, I loved it. I mean, you know, I paid for it and pain and suffering after because the, all the movement on the ATVs, but it was really cool. And I'm so glad we did it. I would have, it would, it would have been bummed to have not experienced it. Yeah, it really, um, it was a good activity as an alternative to the hot air balloon. It really filled up our day. And I feel like by the end we were pretty, cause yeah. driving ATVs, especially in the desert and rock formations like that, it's it's a lot of shaking. So <laughs> we were all kind of sore by the time we got back. So it was nice to just kind of relax by the pool for a bit and recharge. But yeah, that was such a fun time. And I'm sorry, Marianne, for it. Okay, <laughs> totally. it, it was all meant for this podcast so that the world can take <laughs> advantage of our learnings. I feel so we good can, about that. Yeah, we and, can laugh about it now. And I want to, um, I want to just comment on obviously, um, this is Sheila's like area of expertise. But one of the things I've loved about traveling with Sheila too, is like, really taking the time to like get to know the people and I remember like you know she, she's such a curious person by nature and I loved like when you came out and you're like did you guys know that the owner of the hotel was born in the cave and like I think he'd show a photograph of you and I think for me that's like a great reminder too is like I think sometimes I could get set in my ways and maybe because I'm older but that sense of curiosity like I've always admired that about you and just to learn that like that's one of my favorite things to tell people about that hotel it's like you know the man who runs it actually was born in the cave it's kind of cool like you know so good job on that keep it up mercy he showed us a photo of what it looked like when he was born there yeah. and oh, yeah. what he transformed it into hmm. and it is night and day like the vision the owner had for this hotel is incredible <laughs> to summarize everything we just talked about make sure you're familiar with the turkish culture including how to be polite to the locals and dress accordingly for some of the attractions learn the bus and train system because ubers are illegal there and it's also just interesting and convenient to take public transportation in istanbul there is a lot to visit hagia sofia the blue mosque grand bazaar topaki palace Esteklal Street, Galata Tower, and the bridge. In Cappadocia, stay at least four days so that you can ensure you get a hard, hot air balloon ride. It's not a complete loss if you don't go on a hot air balloon ride. The hotels and other activities like ATVs still make the area worth it. Danielle and Mariam, thank you so much for doing this podcast with me and reliving our amazing memories in Turkey. Thank you, Sheila, yeah. for having us. Thanks for having us. It was such a yeah. wonderful way to go back down memory lane. And now I just want to go back with you guys. And for everyone listening, I hope this was helpful in planning your future trip. Feel free to DM me on Instagram with any additional questions.